right, hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Good to have you. And if you're brand new with us, hope that you have a good experience today and you'll want to come back. I'm really glad that you dropped in. Uh, look, because we're celebrating Allen Park's 10th anniversary, instead of getting birthday cards for us, we're giving out cards to teachers in Northern Down River just as a way to thank them for their service and blessing the community. So there's a bunch of these little cards out in the lobby. Pick up a stack, uh, just sign them. Write a little note on them, leave them there, and we will make sure they get to Northern Down River teachers. Let me tell you about Scott. Scott has a heart condition, serious, critical kind of condition that needs some medication. So his doctor wrote out for him a prescription for 10 different kinds of pills. Scott took the prescription to the pharmacist who began to uh, take 10 bottles of pills from his shelves, take 10 pills from each bottle, put them in one big bottle, shook the bottle around and handed it to Scott. Scott went home and wanted to take his medication but had no idea what to do. He didn't know how many pills to take, which pills to take, or how often to take them. What, what does he do? They do no good for him unless he knows how to receive them. And even more important than knowing how to take physical medications, we need to know how to take the cure for our spiritual sickness and death. How do we receive God's offer of salvation because the good news of Jesus isn't any good for you unless you know what to do with it and I think what's sad is that we live in this time of confusion and division among Christians that if you were to go into 10 different churches and talk to 10 different Christians you might get 10 different ways of how to become a Christian I mean if you say what do I do to get right with God and go to heaven you might get 10 different responses to that that's unfortunate because God's not unclear in this in this series, God's Way, we're talking about uh, the, the way of salvation, God's plan for salvation. And it's drawn from our core beliefs as a church, which are based on Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul, the apostle, gives us these things that we have unity in, and like one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And last Sunday, we talked about our one faith and God's offer of salvation, that it comes by grace, that he sent his son to die in our place on the cross and rise from the dead. And that it's not by our works. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. God does it for us. It's a gift. So we're saved by God's grace. That's the source of our salvation. That's the offer. But how do we receive it? And God wants everybody to be saved. It's offered to everybody. But not everybody's going to receive it. Because God has set some conditions for how to receive it. So we're going to look again at our one faith, but also our one baptism for responding to God's offer. And again, I know many of you have heard this probably several times before. For others of you, though, this is going to be the very first time you've ever heard this. But really, for all of us, we need to have a solid grasp on this so that we can answer that question. What do I do to get right with God? How do I get saved? How do I go to heaven? That we don't give out 10 different answers. That we're, we're, we have a simple, clear answer we all can present. Because, you know, around here, every week, you hear us talk about people getting baptized. Just today, we said three more last week. Three were baptized into Christ. We celebrate that. We applaud it. Why? Because it represents somebody making the best decision ever of, of receiving the Lord as their Savior. But some will say, well, why don't we talk about believing? Why don't we talk about somebody repented? Well, I'll tell you why. Because baptism is not this isolated event. It's, it's shorthand for the whole process of a person coming to faith in Christ. It's really the culminating point for crossing that line that you're choosing to believe and commit your life to Christ. 
Now, you may know that in the New Testament, the history book there is, is the book of Acts, which tells about the early church, the first Christians, and there are a lot of examples there on how people came to Christ. He, so here's what we want you to, to understand here. Let's, let's talk about this one baptism. As a church, we believe in this one baptism, the biblical occasion of immersion in water for identifying with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Because again, that's the most basic question anybody can ask. So let's go to that book of Acts. And we see there this guard, this Philippian jailer, who asks Paul, the apostle, and Silas, he says, what must I do to be saved? How do you answer that? How do you receive the gift? Now, again, last week we saw Ephesians 2 that talks about how it's by grace. But I want, I'm going to read that again to you. And I want you to notice some key prepositions because they are crucial. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So by grace, not by good works, through faith. And a lot of Christians, what they, they tend to overlook or misunderstand is the role that baptism plays in this. And baptism often gets left out or, or it gets changed around or it gets downplayed as not that important. But I want you to know that even though Paul doesn't mention it in that passage we just read, he talks by grace through faith. At the same time he was writing that letter to the Ephesians, he was also writing a letter to the Colossians, to the church in Colossae. Here's what he says to them. He talks about having been buried with him, Christ, in baptism, notice that preposition, in, in which you were also raised with him through, there's a preposition again, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So you put those together, Ephesians 2, Colossians 2, you see that faith and baptism absolutely go together in God's plan of salvation. And here's how it works. Here's our big idea. We are saved by grace through faith in baptism. Prepositions are very important. So let's understand our first response to God's offer, and it's through faith. We're saved through faith. That's the source. That's the basis for our salvation. It's through faith, that's how we access it, that's the means for receiving it, but it's in baptism. That's the place or the occasion where we receive the gifts of God, the, the promises of God. But see, faith is when you make your own decision to receive it. Look at John 6. A man asked Jesus this, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You say, wait a minute, I thought we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And yet Jesus says the work of God is to believe. Exactly. We misunderstand the difference between a work as something you simply do and a work in terms of something you're trying to earn salvation with. You're trying to merit heaven. Faith is a work in that it's something you do. You choose to believe. But it's not a meritorious work. It doesn't earn you salvation. Again, we'll go back to that history book, the book of Acts of the early church. And in all the examples, your sinners are always told, first thing you got to do, believe. Believe in Jesus. When that guard asks, what do I do to be saved? Paul and Silas reply in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. So your conversion begins with faith. But understand, faith has three aspects to it. Faith is, first, believing. 
So faith is born when the light goes on and you go, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I believe the truth. I mentally, intellectually assent to that truth. I, I accept it. I agree with what God says. I take him at his word about my hopeless condition before him. That, that this is the way of salvation. But it's got to be more than just mentally accepting that. that. That, okay, I believe God exists and I believe Jesus is real and he did all those things. The, the demons believe that. It doesn't make any difference. It's got to move from your head to your heart, down to about 18 inches metaphorically. It's got to be something that you embrace personally. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Okay, anybody can do that, right? You can mentally say, okay, that. But you got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved. So faith is believing for yourself that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the Lord. He's the son of God. He's the one who died for my sins. And that faith is then expressed in confession. I confess it with my mouth. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I publicly will let others know. In fact, I'm even anxious to let other people know my faith. It's not just this personal, private thing I keep to myself. I'm, I'm going to tell others. And that's why before somebody gets baptized around here, we always have them confess their faith. Usually in the words of Peter, we just, you know, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know, I accept him as my Lord. Why? So we're making sure they're confessing the correct belief, that they're affirming that faith. But let's say you do get sick, like Scott. You, you have this heart condition, and you believe that that medicine will cure you. Well, it doesn't matter how, what you believe about it if you don't ever take it until you put your trust in that medicine. You, li you live by faith all the time. You realize that, right? Anytime you take medicine, you're trusting that doctor. You're trusting that pharmacist. Well, if you're really going to trust God, you've got to do more than just believe it. You've got to trust. That's number two. Faith is trusting. That's resting on God's grace and saying, I am entrusting my life, my future, my eternity into his hands. I realize that I cannot save myself, so I'm transferring my trust to my, from my own goodness, from my own efforts, to Jesus. His death and his resurrection is sufficient to save me. He's not just the Savior, he's my Savior. He didn't just die, he died for me. And so you're switching from that, that trust from yourself to him. And got to go beyond that, though. Because that trust doesn't mean anything without turning. Number three, faith is turning, which is the same thing as repenting. And it's true, some, some of y'all have more to repent of than others, but it really ultimately doesn't matter how bad or how good you are. We all need to turn from our sin and turn toward God. That's what Peter is saying in, in Acts 3.19. He says, now turn from your sins and turn to God so that you can be cleansed of your sins. Now, understand, too, that when you're turning to God, that doesn't mean you're turning your life around first. A lot of people will say, well, I'll come to Christ after I get my life cleaned up, after I get my act together. Then, then I'll. No, you, you put your trust in him first, and then he's the one that turns your life around. You can't do it on your own. 
You need the Holy Spirit in you to begin that lifelong process of turning. But it begins with your decision. So you do decide to change, to do a U-turn, like I'm going the wrong way, my way leads to death. I'm going to do a U-E and go God's way, which leads to life. It's an about face. And Jesus made it clear this is, this is absolutely essential. It's critical, Luke 13, 3. He says, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now we could you know, get nitpicky here and talk about the dif- difference between faith and repentance, but in so many ways they're just intertwined. They're like two sides of the same coin because you can't really have a saving faith without repenting and you're not going to repent unless you have a saving faith. They go together. Repenting is a lot more than just being sorry for your sins. You know, a lot of people say sorry because they got caught. They're not really sorry. Like the, the phrase we use today is sorry, not sorry, right? Which is just a way of saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm, I'm going to keep on doing whatever I want to do. I'm just putting on a front for you. And a lot of people try to play that game with God. Sorry, not sorry. I'm going to keep doing what I want, but at least I said it. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Are you sincere? Are you, are you sorry enough to stop sinning? That's repentance. It's seeing yourself in the light of God's holiness and seeing the awfulness of your condition, that I'm a mess. I'm, I'm, I'm completely cut off from God. And it's crying out, Lord, now I understand. What have I done? See, because you used to love sin, right? Let's admit it. We had a good time sinning. It was fun. We seemed, seemed like it was making us happy. It seemed like it was a good thing. But now the light bulb comes on and you go, wow, how messed up was that? I don't want to do that anymore. I was just, I was just playing around. I, I, I knew that was wrong. I knew that was bad. It was bad for me. It was bad the way it affected others. It really didn't make me happy. And so I, I don't want any part of that anymore. I want to get rid of that old lifestyle. I, instead of embracing sin, I want to embrace God now. I want to do things that please Him. So we're saved through that kind of faith. And then we're saved in baptism. Not by baptism, because grace is the source. We're saved by grace. And it's not through baptism. That's faith. That we're, that's the way to receive it, the, the means but we're saved in or at baptism, the place or occasion where it happens. For example, you know, I could say, look, I want to give you a gift. Nothing you got to do to earn it. I got this gift card here. I'm, I'll, all right, I just want you to have it. I got this for you. I say, okay, you say, great, yes, I'll take it. It's free gift, yes. But what if I say, well, meet me here at the front and I'll give it to you. You want to, Mike. I know you do. You're welcome. That's faith. You probably thought that was worth a lot of money. No, five bucks. That's only $5 coffee. Enjoy, my friend. $5 coffee. All right. But see, y'all, all of us, y'all, you didn't know. That could have been a $1,000 gift card. And you just sat there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a gift card, isn't it? But you didn't do anything about it. So you missed out. <laughs> That's what God says. I, I have this gift for you. I want you to have it. <laughs> meet me in the water. Okay, so you got you to meet him there. That's, that's what he said to do. So why haven't you done it yet? If, if you say you believe in God, you got to do that. Look, baptism isn't 
our work. And this is where a lot of Christians get confused and messed up because they've been taught by churches, priests, and pastors that baptism can have nothing to do with your salvation because it's a work. And we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. It's not a work. It's not your work. It's God's work in you. Unless you believe that God just goes around picking and choosing who he's going to save, like you're going to be saved, I'm going to condemn you, and you have absolutely nothing to do with it, that he zaps some people with faith and others he doesn't, okay, then at least you're being consistent. But if you believe that you have free will and that you have to choose to accept his offer, well, that's something you're doing. And so is baptism. That's something you're doing but it's not you doing the work. In fact, you're completely passive. Somebody else is even lowering you in the water and bringing you back up. It's God's working in you. It's not just something you do sometime later after you get saved. It's not some sort of outward sign of an inward grace. You've heard that. Some churches say, well, it's just an outward sign of an inward change. That's not what God says. It's never once described that way in Scripture. Baptism is so much more than that. Baptism is unique. It's absolutely different from any other thing we're told to do in Scripture. How do we know? Because Jesus makes it a part of the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. How? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Do you see how teaching them to obey everything is one thing? Baptism is another thing. Baptism is not just another act of obedience that we do. It's part of accepting Christ. Let's go back to that history book, the book of Acts. See how they did it. We see this great example. Again, the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas say this. Remember? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now, a lot of preachers would just stop there and say, see, that's all you got to do. Faith only. They, they need to keep reading because they're not telling you the whole thing. It goes on. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his family were baptized. Did you see that? Paul started with believe. But then he spoke the word of the Lord to them. And immediately, in the middle of the night, he baptized them right on the spot. Now, folks, if that were just some sort of act of obedience, if that was just going public with your faith, a public demonstration of, an, of the inward change you already experienced, why didn't Paul say, you know what, let's schedule that for next Sunday and get a bunch of people around to watch it? He did it right then and there. Why? Because that's how important it is. Because, number one, baptism is the normal time of salvation. Now, look, we know a lot of believers in Christ have never been biblically baptized that way they, they maybe they've never been baptized at all because either they don't understand they've never been taught they, they've never had the opportunity I don't know what it is but look I, God knows your heart I'm not here to judge that God knows your faith we're only responsible for what we know God says and if you read it for yourself what does he say if you want to be sure then what does Jesus say? Mark 16, 16. He says, whoever believes, trusts, turns, and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So belief, faith, is absolutely essential. Can't be saved without it. But it is conceivable that there are people who have faith but have never been baptized. So again, we're not going to say they're condemned because for a variety of reasons they've never taken that step. But now that you know, if you can be baptized, you absolutely should. Here's what some will try to do, though. 
And I, I hear preachers do this all the time. They'll say, well, the thief on the cross was never baptized, so we don't have to be either. You know, like the, the thief next to Jesus? Jesus said, you'll be with me today in paradise. He didn't get baptized, so what's the big deal? Really? I mean, it's kind of a logistical challenge to get baptized when you're on a cross. Okay, so there are people who cannot be baptized for one reason or another. I would say the thief is one of those guys. But you know why that's not a good example for us? Because there wasn't even such a thing as Christian baptism yet. What had to happen first? Jesus had to die and rise from the dead in order for there to be Christian baptism. And that doesn't come later until 40 days later in Acts chapter 2. So the thief on the cross is not our example. The crowd in Acts 2 is our example. When Peter preaches Jesus to them, he's died for you, he rose from the dead. They're cut to the heart, they're convicted, and they say, what do we do? How does Peter reply? Acts 2.38, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for what? The forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see, baptism and forgiveness go together. Baptism and the Holy Spirit go together. Just like Jesus said earlier in John 3, 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Later on, Paul will say the same thing in a little bit different way in Titus 3, 5. That was John 3, 5. Now Titus 3, 5, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Pretty clear, right? And yet, to get away from this idea, because these, today's preachers and denominations have this hyper view of grace that you can't do anything. God's got to do They'll say, no, you can't. It's not about baptism. Here's what you got to do. If you want to receive Jesus, you got to say the sinner's what? Prayer. Say the sinner's prayer. Can you show me one verse in the Bible anywhere where it says, say the sinner's prayer, repeat after me? It's not there. Good luck finding it. That is never a response. But you know what is? Baptism. Over and over, baptism is. Why? Because as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.21, baptism now saves you. But he clarifies, so you don't misunderstand, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, it's not just an outward bath in water, but it's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you are appealing, you are asking God to give you a clean conscience, to wash you inwardly from your sins that's why we do it now how do we do it number two how baptism is an immersion why because of what it shows what it pictures it shows a death burial and resurrection so Paul says in Romans 6 we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life that's immersion Death, burial, resurrection. Now, look, I know other churches, again, will, will substitute sprinkling water on somebody or pouring water on them, but you need to understand that's exactly what it is. It's a substitution. That's not what baptism is. It's a Greek word. Your New Testament is written in Greek, and the word is baptizo, and it means nothing other than to plunge, submerge, dunk. That's it. If they would just translate it into English... It would say, not be baptized, it would say, be immersed. But because of this misunderstanding of the nature of grace and works, they said, well, no, it can't, can't be that. Uh, and because they want to baptize babies, well, you can't dunk a baby. I mean, the Greek Orthodox do, if you're from that church background, because they know Greek. And they know, well, if you're going to baptize a baby, put them in. 
but they'll substitute sprinkling or pouring, and yet that's never the way it's pictured. John the baptizer, you know, we like to call him John the Baptist, but he wasn't a part of a denomination. He was John the baptizer. He chose the Jordan River to do his baptizing, and Jesus traveled all the way out to that river. Why? Because it says there was much water there. And Jesus goes down into the water to be baptized, Matthew 3, 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Another example is the Ethiopian eunuch. He was an official, government official, and God sent a man named Ananias to go preach Jesus to him. That's all we know he said. He preached Jesus. And the very next thing you know, the Ethiopian says, why can't I say the sinner's prayer right now? No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? And Acts 8, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And they come up out of the water. So obviously preaching Jesus includes baptism. Pretty big deal. That's how to do it. But there's a third question. Who? Who gets baptized? Well, baptism is for a believer. Again, go back to that history book of the early Christians, book of Acts. Whenever somebody responded to Jesus, it was because they had heard the message. They were able to understand it and therefore to put their faith in Jesus. It was, baptism was always preceded by repentance and faith. And a person who isn't old enough or mature enough yet to understand it has no need of it. We're only accountable for what we know and understand. And, and small children are not able to understand it yet, nor do they need it yet, because they have not purposely, defiantly broken God's laws yet. Sin is not just something you inherit and you're condemned because your parents sinned. Sin is something you're condemned for that you choose to do, the breaking of God's laws. And until somebody is able to understand that, they're not held accountable for that. Jesus himself said what? Let the little children come to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. They're not going to be condemned. There's no need for it. And there's never one example or one command to baptize a baby or a small child. It's just not there. Instead, you do see this in Acts 8. When they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So, guys, that's the plan of salvation. That's our big idea. We are saved by grace, through faith, in baptism. Don't mess up the prepositions. <laughs> Very important. All right? So what I want you to see is just a few baptisms over the last few weeks of people, and especially some young people, who made the best decision ever. And I love to see... Friends baptizing friends, parents baptizing their kids, and siblings baptizing siblings. Say I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Now I, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
So, yeah, we, we uh, absolutely celebrate that. And so I, I got a couple questions for you. Number one, have you experienced that for yourself? H- have, you, have you put your trust in Jesus, repented of your sins, and been biblically baptized like that? If not, you don't have to wait for a special day. You don't have to wait for a special feeling. You just receive it right here and now. If you're ready to go, let us know. We would love to help you make that same decision. So after the service, go out in the lobby, meet with somebody in room C or D. They would love to help you uh, answer your questions, get you ready for baptism, whatever is needed. Or if you're watching online, reach out to us. Text us, 734-304-7248. Or email next at southpointccc.com. Somebody will get back to you as soon as possible so that you can come in and get baptized as soon as possible. We don't want you to have to wait uh, another week for that to happen. In fact, if you're not ready to come in yet, we'll show you how to do it at home. That's right, do-it-yourself do baptism. You can do it, and we can help, right? So hopefully you have experienced that for yourself, but maybe you're, you've been a believer for a long time and you've, you just never have. Maybe you didn't understand it before. Maybe uh, you've just put it off for whatever reason. But look, we're not saying you haven't been saved. That's not for us to say. What we're, we're just going to tell you what God promises. And if you want to be sure you've done what God has said, then why not be baptized today? Don't let fear or pride stand in the way. Don't argue with God about it. Just do it. I mean, what, what was done for you? Maybe sprinkled as a baby. Maybe poured on uh, at some other point. <sighs> Okay, what you did, what your parents did, you, we trust you did that in good faith, what you understood at the time. But now that you know, now you're accountable for this. Don't miss out on it. It's a very meaningful thing. Very quick, very simple, but very meaningful. And just say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, you know, do it now. I just want to make sure I've done what you've said to do. And we've got everything you need to go Today, we've got extra clothes. We've got those brand new t-shirts we'll give you, you know, best decision ever. We've got uh, robes and towels and hair dryers and yet fresh underclothes and the whole thing, whatever. Don't let another moment go by. Do what Paul says. This is the way it was expressed to Paul. Paul, you know, ha- ha- put his faith in Jesus. He'd been repenting and fasting for three days, but God sent a man named Ananias to him who said, now, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. That could be you. All right, question number two. Now that you know it, are you able to share it? Again, the saddest thing would be for somebody to come in here and ask 10 people how to get saved, how to go to heaven, how to get right with God, and get 10 different answers. Now we can give them a very clear, very simple answer based on two verses and six fingers. Right? Maybe you've seen me do this before. All you got to know is two main verses. John 3.16 and Acts 2.38. Because there are three things we're told to do and three promises that we will receive. Let's first look at John 3.16, which is probably the most oft-quoted, most loved verse in the whole Bible because it sums up the good news of Jesus. In fact, we're going to say this out loud together. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. All right, you got that one down? Okay, let's go to the other verse, Acts 2.38. We've already looked at the day of Pentecost, big crowd of people, Peter Peter preaches the death and resurrection of Christ. They are cut to the heart. They say, brothers, what do we do? Acts 2.38, Peter replied, everybody out loud, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Based on those two verses, what are the three things we're told to do? Believe, repent, 
be baptized. What are the three promises that were offered? Forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and eternal life, which are the three main things we need. We need that to, to be made right with God, be forgiven. We need the power of God in our life every day to live for him. And we need the assurance that we're going to heaven. And next Sunday, we're going to talk more about having assurance of your salvation because there are way too many Christians who really aren't sure if they're saved or not, who have these misunderstandings about can I lose my salvation or not, and we're going to get into that. And, and I hope you're going to be back for that. But let's make sure we got this down first. Let's do it again. Two verses and six fingers. We're going to say it out loud. I'm not going to have you repeat the verses again, but I want you to get the verse references. First one is John 3.16 and Acts 2.38. The three things we're told to do, everybody, believe, repent, be baptized, and you will receive forgiveness of sins the gift of the Holy Spirit, and eternal life. All right, you got it? Now, every Christian, go share it. That's what God calls you to do. All right? So, hey, hopefully you, we would love to see you back next week, either in person or online. Be sure to invite others on your way out. Uh, we're still social distancing and wearing our masks in the lobby, but uh, be sure to encourage one another with, and wish each other a blessed week, as I'm doing for you now. God bless you guys. See you then.